Hello there, wherever you are in the world, which could be anywhere, as we have listeners in 143 countries now, which either shows how far and wide us island folk travel, or the appeal of UK property as an asset class, or maybe, and probably both. You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Day 8, Saturday. Yesterday, I was talking about the power of meeting people and telling them what you're doing or what you're looking to do and how one thing can lead to another. So when I was telling Emma, the interior designer of our SA in Leyland, about our plans to maybe flip properties to subsidise the money left in deals from our HMOs in the East Midlands, she told me about Nikki, the bungalow flipper. And I thought that while I was in the region, it would be a good idea to meet her. At the time, I didn't realise that Nikki was based in Blackpool. But when I found out, since she was doing me a favour, I arranged to meet her for breakfast in her neck of the woods. So that's how I find myself on the M6 going north to Blackpool at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. It's perfect timing because it gives me plenty of time to learn about bungalow flipping and still get to the potteries for 3pm to take in a random football match at Robbie Williams' favourite football club, Port Vale, who are taking on high-flying Stevenage in League One. As Nikki starts to tell me her story, I decide that I have to invite her onto the podcast because it's so inspiring. Fortunately, she agrees. So, to avoid the disappointment of missing that on its day of release sometime in the future, tap follow on Spotify or the plus icon if you listen on Apple Podcasts, or do whatever else you need to do on the podcast platform you choose to use. At the networking event I attended in Manchester earlier in the week, one of the speakers was talking about future patterns in property, and they were talking about demographics in terms of an ageing population and the inevitable trend of downsizing. And this is effectively what Nikki's model is based on. If you're flipping a property and you're using finance, whether that be private finance or bridging, or even a combination of both, then it doesn't matter how good your build team is. If it takes you longer to sell than expected or hoped for, then that can eat into your profits and turn a good deal into a not so good deal. So beyond having multiple exits to mitigate for this, one way that Nikki deals with it is by targeting the downsizers as they are less likely to be in a chain, which can hold up the selling process by months. This feeds into a likely purchase price bracket to target, since the most expensive houses will probably still require a mortgage, whereas the downsizers are more likely to be buying with cash, which means they'll be less likely to be in a chain. Nikki kindly offers to take me to her current project, where the builders are steaming the old-fashioned wallpaper off and points out some telltale signs of a property that is ripe for adding value without needing a massive influx of cash. This particular project would be perfect for me as an overseas investor since it's a probate property, which means it's exempt from stamp duty land tax as long as it meets three criteria. Firstly, that the purchase is made from the personal representatives of the deceased individuals. Secondly, that the deceased individual occupied the property as their main or only residence at some time in the period of two years ending at the date of their death. And finally, that the area of land acquired does not exceed the permitted area of 10,000 square metres. Nikki typically looks for projects that are relatively quick to turn around, so nothing structural, just a new bathroom and kitchen and a full rewire. And once the property's been updated and modernised, she stages it, making it look as spacious 
and free of clutter as possible and taking the profit. Flipping is not without its own unique set of risks, such as the market changing for the worst during the project, and there are lots of other factors that need to be considered, but let's leave that for a longer episode. In the meantime, if this business model sounds like something you might be interested in, keep an eye out for our episode featuring Nikki at a later date. It's now time to head to Stoke, which is the home of Port Vale Football Club, who start well, score early, and then concede two goals in the second half. And I quietly enjoy the spectacle and sound of old-age pensioners screaming abuse at the referee, the linesman, and Port Vale players before a Stevenage player handles the ball and gives away a penalty with 20 seconds of stoppage time remaining. In the home side, score the penalty and rescue a point. I then head southwest to Hina to stay in my fourth short-term accommodation of my UK property tour. The reason that I've chosen Hina to stay in is because this is the location of our successful conclusion to our self-imposed four-month challenge to buy a UK property at auction without leaving Hong Kong which was documented in Season 2 from Episodes 35 to 53. It's a little tricky to find, but when I do, the hosts are friendly and give me directions to the town, which is about a 10-minute walk away, and I find a late-night supermarket, which I only realised the next day is just around the corner from our block of flats. Join me tomorrow when I head into the Derbyshire Dales for a change of scenery and go back to Derby ahead of the last three days of my UK property tour. You've been listening to Expat Property Story. Story.